of those to whom he his to those whose care is entrusted into his hand. I believe that God wants to do something that spectacular today. Today we're going to continue our series, Weapons of Our Warfare. Again, I forgot to change that. That should be 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians. Um, um, actually, I changed it last week, but then I pulled it from the week before. So that's why the problem is still there. But um, um, I, um, I believe God, these next this week and next week, I believe, well, then the next week, the, the last three sermons of this series, I believe, are are, are life-changing for our church and life-changing for us personally. I want you to open your Bible with me. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. It's what the word of the Lord says in the New King James Version. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence I am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you, but I beg you that when I pre- when I am present, I may be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as we walk as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I looked up and lost my place. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for a word that you have put into my heart, a word that you have placed into my spirit. And Lord, I pray that as I share this today, Lord, that I would be sharing your word to your people, Lord, both those who are in this room and those who are watching online. Lord, I believe that you have have a word today. And Lord, I want the blessing of God to be rich in their lives in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. As I begin to look at this passage of scripture, you may be seated. As I begin to look at this passage of scripture, one of the things that I noticed uh, that we've laid this series out is when he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Then he goes through a few things. For the pulling down of strongholds, he says. For um, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I began to look at that passage and last week we talked about uh, uh, tearing down strongholds and we talked about how that prayer breaks strongholds. It tears down the strongholds in our life. Today I want to talk about casting down arguments. Have you ever been in an argument? If you said no, you're not married. If you said no, you've never had a teenage child. I've had plenty of arguments 
with the queen of arguments. She's good at arguing. She's good. Boy, I'm going to have an argument when I get home. I'm glad I've got company coming. I got some people pointing at their wife acting like, oh, no. But um, I, I raised two headstrong, self-assured, independent-minded teenage boys. Wow. I've had some arguments. I've been a pastor. Senior pastor for 15 years. I've been in ministry for 30 years. And I've had some arguments. I've had some fights. But the Bible tells us that we need to cast down the arguments. But sometimes we come against things that argue against God. Sometimes we come against, we see things, and when we see it, it's we hear things and when we hear it the we are an argument against God's power sometimes we feel things that are an argument against God's power what I'm talking about is when we have to argue with the world Am I the only one in the room that's ever argued with himself? I argue with myself often. Some would say that's insanity. Some people say if you talk to yourself, it's okay as long as you don't answer yourself. I feel like that once I started answering myself, I became a genius. How many of you know the answers to your own questions? But... I, I, I argue with myself often, and especially in my spiritual walk. I see things, and it begins to argue against what God has told me. I begin to say, oh, and, and, and it doesn't align. Is God's provision. And I say, I know what God said, but I know what I heard. Come on. I know what I feel. So today I want to take a few minutes and I want to look at casting down the arguments of what we see and what we hear and what we feel. The first thing I want to look at is when what you see argues against God. I talked to the kids this morning about Joshua chapter 6. Story we're all familiar with. The children of Israel have been in the wilderness. They've wandered uh, around because of their disobedience. Everybody who was above 20 years old is when they came out of Egypt is dead. And, and the oldest group were only children and teenagers when they left Egypt. Now... Most of the people don't even remember what Egypt looked like. They heard about it. They heard stories. Most of them wasn't there when the water parted. The majority of them did not understand. I want you to get this. I, I've said this before, but I want you to get this. Most of them did not understand that manna was miraculous. Because they had it their entire life. 
One of my concerns about the modern Pentecostal church is that the reason we're dying off is we've forgotten that Pentecost is special. We've forgotten that it is spectacular. That Many of us in this room, we can tell stories from when we were children. I love to hear the stories of people who got the Holy Ghost or came to a Pentecostal church after they were an adult. I love those stories because they, they fascinate me. Sister Rose Ritchie, she's not here, but Sister Rose Ritchie, met her story. She, oh, I love it. She, she had went to a, to a conference and was coming back, and the ladies were all talking about the new wine at the conference. And they decided to stop and get something to drink. Sister Rose said, I was real nervous in the back seat. And finally, I said, well, if y'all won't get something to drink, that's okay, but I don't drink. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, y'all talking about new wine, and, and, and y'all can get some wine if you want, but I don't drink. And they go, oh, no, no, no. Let's tell you what this is about. I love that story. I grew up... But, I mean, I was 10, 10 or 12 years old before I realized that the Catholics didn't speak in tongues. I thought that the Methodists and the Presbyterians, and I thought they all shouted and ran the aisles. I just thought that's what you did at church. I had no concept that there was anything different. That's how the children of Israel were. But now they've crossed the Jordan. The manna stopped. They've had to be circumcised. They've overcome their pain, and they come to the first city, and God has said, take Jericho. They've managed to surround the city where nothing can come in and go out. They had it under siege. But how are we going to get around the wall? A wall! can't help it i gotta go there somewhere somebody said we gotta build a wall sorry just couldn't resist it and all of a sudden all of a sudden they're standing here and they're looking and joshua is even crying out god what i do about the wall and he's seeking god and all of a sudden he comes against the angel and he falls down he said, are you for us or for our enemies? He says, I'm for the Lord. Oh, I could preach a whole sermon there. Quit trying to figure out if God's on your side or their side and figure out you need to be on God's side. And it's not a me versus them. It's a, I got to be with him. And he said, I'm with the Lord. He said, here's what you do. Go back and tell, tell the children of Israel that they need to get up and every day they need to walk around the wall one time. Silently. And they need to do that for six days. And on the seventh day, let them walk around the wall six times quietly. But on the seventh time that they walk around the wall on the seventh day, let them shout for victory for God has given them the city. And oh, we shout at that now. <laughs> yeah. Imagine not knowing the end of the story. Imagine... As your pastor, I come in and said, listen, if we want to win our city, 
We can drive out drunk. Well, now I just can't walk very good, Pastor. Well, y'all go and see how that works out. You know why we don't have victory? Because we're. For six days, they walked around that wall. I know the purpose of that. The purpose of the six days was so that they would begin to get their mind focused on God. Mind focused on the obedience that they were walking with. But I also know what probably really happened. That wall's big. It took us a long time to get around that wall. There were people, I believe this, I believe this because VeggieTales said it happened. <laughs> there were people on top of the wall making fun of them. VeggieTales said, keep walking, but you won't knock down our wall. Keep walking, but she isn't going to fall. It's plain to see that your brains are pretty small to think walking will be knocking down our wall. Any other VeggieTale fans in the house? <laughs> and, and so, as they walk around, people are making fun of them. They're jeering them. They're throwing things at them. Yeah. Don't think they didn't. They're thinking, how crazy is that? And pretty soon, when people are telling you you're crazy, you start thinking, I'm crazy. <laughs> Joshua is off his rocker. But what they had failed to understand was the end of Joshua's command. On the seventh day, we're going to walk around six times. And as we walk around, Usually I drove. And I was going to be picked up at the airport, not by my father, but by another pastor who was going to take me to his church, and I was going to preach. I flew in on a Wednesday, and I was going to preach that night at his church. Brother Charles Higgins, as a matter of fact. Uh, his son is now one of my son's professors. And, and, and I, I, I got on that plane, and I was going to preach on the walls of Jericho. And as I looked out the window of the plane as we were flying, God showed me something I'd never noticed before. He showed me what a wall looked like from the air. 
what happened is the children of Israel had a good view of what the wall looked like from against God's promise. But God said, if you'll praise me, I'll show you what the wall looks like from my view. I will show you what happens when that wall. How can I explain it? Here's what some of us think happened. The wall fell down. And they... They had to climb over the rubble. They twisted their ankles. No. I want you to understand. When the Bible says that each one of them went straight in, I believe it meant that that wall went so flat that they just walked. There there wasn't two stories of rubble. I was in Oklahoma City the day the bomb went off. And I went down to see the nine-story building that had been that had bomb go off in front of it. And I'm telling you, the rubble from that nine-story building was four stories tall. But I'm going to tell you, when you begin to praise God, your wall's not just coming down to something you think you can manage. Your wall is coming down to the place that you don't have to manage it. You're not getting me. If you're getting me, you'd be shouting. See, some of you, you're waiting for your wall. I know the circumstances look but when we get to the place that we start saying you know what I'm going to walk and when the time comes when that seventh time comes, I'm going to shout. Can I tell you something? One more thing, and I got to move on. I know, I got to hurry. The wall had not shaken an inch. There was not a rumble. There was no crack before they started shouting. Some of us come to church and we're waiting for the shout. Well, I just don't feel it. When you don't feel it, that's the time to praise. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But, but when, 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 when you're sitting there and you can't see it yet, but all of a sudden you say by faith. See, that's what's different in praising God and praising man. I, I, I'm a sports fan. I love sports. I drove my wife crazy yesterday. I didn't have anything to do yesterday. And I was actually it wasn't basketball. That's coming later. I only watched during the tournament. But yesterday, I watched five different episodes of a football life. All these documentaries about football players. And I thought, oh, this one's good. I was like, uh-huh. And once I got through those, then I flipped over and I watched the NASCAR race. And, and I, I watched, and it's one thing when the guy you want to win wins, then we go, woo! When your favorite player gets a tackle, yeah! 
When, I would say when the Chiefs get a touchdown, well, they've gotten a few this year. Uh, when the Cowboys obliterate the Chiefs, you go, yeah. But, man, I know how to lose a crowd in a second, don't I? But, you know what? It's hard to cheer until they get the point. It's hard to cheer when they lose the ball. It's hard to cheer when they can't stop Tom Brady from getting a touchdown. It's hard to cheer when a player lines up off sides. Ooh, boy, got quiet in this house. It's hard to cheer when you can't see the victory. Oh, but when you're talking about God, you don't have to see it because he sees it. And what he wants to know, do we trust him enough? Do we love him enough that when we get to the place that we know we can't see anything, by the time they got to the lap of praise, they had been around that city 12 times. They knew what every inch of that wall looked like. They knew what every circumstance looked like. They knew how high it was here. They knew what knew everything they said we're going to praise God anyway we haven't seen anything change we haven't seen but I'm going to praise him and they began to and as they began to shout the Bible says that the walls trembled and fell to the place that everyone went straight in before him church Quit worrying about what you see and praise him till the argument disappears. Oh, but it's not just things we see. It's also things that we hear. It's also things that we hear. Do I hear stuff? Praise God there. There it is. It's not just stuff that we hear. See, it's things that we hear. Second Chronicles chapter 20 talks about Ammon and Moeth at Mount Seir as they've come against Jehoshaphat. I'll read just a couple of verses. It happened after that, after this, that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Amorites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now listen to verse 2. It says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and from Syria and from uh, Hazan, Tamar, which is in Gedi. First part of verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared. I've been where Josaphat's at. When the enemy has mounted an attack, they begin to come in, and it never fails when the enemy starts to come that there are some 
who just love to come and tell you that you're about to get beat. Oh, oh, Corey's not here today. It's bad. He hadn't done that in a long time. But I've had other people. This is my favorite one. Pastor, a lot of people are talking. Usually a lot of people are talking means the five people around their lunch table after church on Sunday. Some of the people are really concerned. Usually that means them and their wife are really concerned, and sometimes it's not even their wife. They come and they begin to tell you how bad it's going to be. I know it doesn't just happen to pastors. It happens to people. Oh, it's not going to work. The worst one that ever comes to me is me. When I start telling myself, oh, there's an army. And Jehoshaphat feared. He was afraid because of what he heard. See, what he heard went against what God God has said he was going to take care of the, the kingdom. God has said that he was going to be the protector of his people. But what Jehoshaphat heard did not line up with what God had said, and God hasn't spoken in a while. Mm, I don't know what to do. And so Jehoshaphat says, listen, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. And so he begins to pray and he begins to ask God and he calls the people together to pray. And he says, we're going to go to battle. And the people are like, yes. He goes, all right. I need the praise troop. I want the choir. I want the praise team. Y'all get in front. Whoa, uh, King, don't you think maybe we should put the armed people up front? Maybe we should put the big guys up there. One of my documentaries I watched yesterday was on the fearsome foursome defensive line for the Rams back in the 60s. And for that day, they were all tall. They were all six foot five plus. And they were taller than most people that had their position. And they said before they started their line, said Pete, the defense would be already crouched down when the offense had come out of the huddle. Said, but we were bigger than most of them. So they decided, and when that offense came out of the huddle, they were standing up. And said they stood there until the offense went down. So that they could see how big they were. We wanted to intimidate them, they said. Oh, we want the intimidators out front. We want Howard in the front. Man, I'm going in a fight. I'm getting behind Howard. I'm getting behind Howard. We, we want the tough people up front. In the church, we want the pastor up front. He's supposed to know how to do this. We want Sister Ann. We want the prayer warriors up front. Oh, that's great. But the king said, no, I want the praise team. I want the choir. Oh, wait a minute. 
Didn't you hear there's an army? He says, yeah, God told me to send the praisers in first. And the Bible says that they went into battle. And, and you need to go back and read that. Read that, that whole chapter. It's a great chapter. But I want you to hear verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and praise the Lord, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon stood, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and utterly killed and destroyed them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. See, when you hear that the enemy is coming, if you send your warriors, your warriors could get hurt. But if you'll begin to praise... If you'll begin to sing, if you'll begin to glorify the power of God, you will pull down the argument of what you've heard. Because time you get to where you can see your enemy, all your enemy is going to be is dead bodies laying in a field waiting to be plundered by the hand of God. Waiting to be plundered by the hand of God. You give these, in, these, these cards out, they're not going to be effective just because you gave out a card. They're not going to be effective because we're going to have a drama and an illustrated sermon. But what happens when we start saying, oh God, I praise you that my niece or my nephew is going to listen this time. And they're going to come to church and I'm going to put this in their hand and we're going to celebrate you and we're going to... Sister Kelsey, I hope you're listening because you got a lot to do. Glad you're getting some help. We got to praise. And when we praise, all of a sudden the enemy turns on itself. You know why? Because when the enemy hears the praise of God, they understand who God is. Do you know the devil knows who God is? The devil knows him. And the devil says, oh, if they're praising him. See, it doesn't matter what you see. Praise can take down what you see. It doesn't matter what you hear. Praise can tear down the arguments that you hear. But here's the one that gets most of us. I hear this more than I hear anything else. But I just don't feel. I don't feel we live in a touchy-feely generation. Well.
I understand there's pain. But is there anybody else in my generation or older that remembers growing up and facing some of the same things that we see going on now, but it wasn't the major issues that we dealt with? Well, I just don't, you hurt my feelings. You, 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 you didn't respect my thought. I told you last week, I don't preach grammatically correct. I ain't going to worry about being politically correct. But we live in a day and age that you can't hardly say anything anymore without offending somebody. Unless you talk about the weakness of Christian faith, and then we're supposed to be okay with that. Everything we say has become offensive. Our feelings are worn on our shoulders. Don't think that's just in the world. It happens in the church. Pastor, now you're just a little too rough when you preach. Pastor, you offended me when you went too long in your sermon. Oh, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay until, man, we never get out of church. You know, I've heard the same line out of the same, both of those lines out of the same mouths before. Oh, go ahead. Man, we never get out of church. Don't, don't say sick him to a dog and get mad when he bites you. Just, just saying. We get our feelings hurt. Pastor, you move the chairs again. I was watching one of my old sermons. Yet again, I'm working on writing a book. Again, this time, I'm actually further along this time than I've ever been, which not very far, but I'm further along than I've ever been. And it's based off a sermon series I preached here about five years ago. I'm not doing the eight steps. I'm doing bringing back the glory, the one where we had the Ark of the Covenant here. And, and, and I'm working on that. And, and in the first sermon of that series, preached about Ichabod. And I was talking about how that the altar is not holy. What happens at the altar is holy, but the altar is not holy. And I flipped the altar over. And I offended some people. Uh, he flipped the altar over. Let me tell you something. Our feelings have started controlling our lives. You want to know why depression is on the rise? Because our feelings control our lives instead of our lives controlling our feelings. You know why we're always mad at each other? You know why families are split apart? Because our feelings have overridden our family. I'm going to tell you, if anybody's going to hurt my feelings, it's going to be my wife or my two boys because we are brutal in my house. We are brutal in my house. And, and, and you know, I, I've said it often. In our house, sarcasm is not just something that happens. It's a love language. I mean, that's just what we do. And if we start letting our feelings get in the way, we could get offended. Oh, the devil knows. You might get around the things you see. You might get around some of the things you hear. But if I can let you feel something. 
the devil wants to tear up a church, you know what he lets you feel? Nothing. If you, um, let me read the scripture. I may get to where I was going, but let me read the scripture. I'll lay my the glasses down somewhere. Okay. It says, blessed, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, all praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of miracles and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Here's what Paul writes. He says, all praise be to God. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us, who takes care of us, who makes us feel worthy so that we can comfort others. Make them feel worthy in any of their troubles so that they will be comforted just like we are comforted. How does it start? It starts with blessing. Not blessing of Paul, blessing of God. It starts, Paul says, let's praise God so that we can walk in the comfort. Let's praise God because there is a feeling we need. And if we'll... I drug myself into church today. Sister Kelsey, you need to dig me out of the pit. Every praise, every praise. You know who's laughing the most? That's the praise team because they've seen you look just like I'm looking right now. We wonder why. And then we have the audacity. We have the unmitigated nerve to go to the pastor and go, well, I just don't feel the spirit of God in our church. One of these days, somebody's going to come up to me at the wrong time and tell me they don't feel the Spirit of God in, their, in the house, and I'm going to ask God to let me show them what the Spirit of God feels like. I don't feel anything. You
our feelings argue against the power of God. Oh, it's not just a feeling of nothingness. Sometimes it's a feeling of jealousy. Oh, why do they always get the blessing? You know, it's pretty sad. I remember when meant the Holy Ghost was moving. Now it means somebody's mad. I don't understand why they get all the good stuff. Maybe you need to watch what they're doing. Maybe you need to see the praise that's in their lips. Maybe you need to pay attention that they're not sitting there going. But instead they're glorifying them, Heavenly Father. Can I give you a secret? I'll pace this corner just about every Sunday. And I'll worship God and I do my best to praise God. But I don't feel it every Sunday. There are times that I go. There are times I turn around and look around and I go, oh man. Nobody came. There are times I go, I'm done. But it's time to praise. Yes. I don't want to praise. But what if God? Oh man. That's my two favorite words, but and if. But changes everything. I don't want to praise, but I know I need to praise. And if gives me a promise. But if I praise, God can change my heart. If I do it, and usually it starts something like this. It's like, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I praise you, Lord. Lord, I glorify you. Oh, God, you're good. It builds. It builds. All of a sudden, I quit feeling the pain. I quit feeling the heartache. I quit feeling the God wants you to feel his love. But sometimes you got to stand up with praise and push through the barrier. Sometimes we got to quit worrying about what we see. I don't care what you see. You know what I see? I see one of the worst winters I've ever pastored through. I know it's probably not the worst winter it's ever been. I, I know that. But right now it feels like the worst thing I've ever faced as far as a, a season in a church. I know what I see. I've seen crowds diminish because of weather. 
Now it's starting to warm up and I'm seeing crowds being slow to come back. Because, you know why? Because they got used to not coming. I, I, I see those things. Now I can choose to see those things. Oh, Lord, we're not going to make it. Or I can start praising God. I preached a crazy sermon a few weeks ago. I said, let it snow. That's not my sermon or my prayer. I thought I needed to make that clear. But I talked about how that the snow, many people believe, will bring a positive spring. We had a horrible crop season last year. There's a good chance we'll have a good crop this year. Because of nutrients and things that are in the ground because the snow's been there. And, 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 and I'm like, wow, God, let me praise you. Because we came through a hard, hard crop season last year, and maybe, maybe we had to endure the winter so that you can bless us. And God, I want you to bless us. I want you to show us your power, show us your glory. Lord, take what was tough, and God, I praise you for the snow. I praise you for this, for this winter. didn't matter what I saw. We can't be worried about what we hear. Worst thing in the world to hear is... Because usually in my mind, that means I'm just convinced you're talking about me. You may be talking about the race today, but I'm sure you're talking about me. It doesn't matter what I hear. I got to praise him. Because when I praise him, no matter what I've heard, I can see a victory. But it doesn't matter what I feel. When you come up for prayer for healing, you're usually hurting. Every great testimony starts with a big problem. And ends with a miraculous renewal. Why? Because of praise. Kelsey, I want you to come back up here. And I want you to sing that second to the last song you did. Walk around the wall, thought for sure, but now I'd fall. Yeah, do it again. And I want you to start that first verse. Because some of us have been walking around the wall. And we're thinking, ain't nothing happened. I think the second verse talks about how that you, you keep trying, but it hasn't happened yet. But the end of every line is, but you've never failed me yet. He hasn't failed you yet. What makes you think he'll fail you now? Begin to praise him. Begin to lift him up. As she sings that song, if you're here and you've got a need, Physical need, emotional need, spiritual need, financial need, relational need. If you're here and you've got a need, don't worry about what you see. Don't worry about what you hear. Don't even worry about what you feel like. If you believe God can heal, if you believe God can set free, if you believe God can send the victory, I want you to get out of your seat. Come stand across the front of this church.
If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to give my heart to the Lord. Doesn't matter what you see. Doesn't matter what you hear. Doesn't matter what you feel. If you'll praise him. If you'll glorify him. He's never failed us yet. If he saved me, he can save you. If he's healed me, he can heal you. If he's ever touched you in your life in any area, he can touch another area. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, as I pray, Lord, I pray that you would bring those with needs to the front. Lord, let them come. No matter what they see, no matter what they hear, no matter what they feel. And let them experience your glory. Move in their hearts right now. In Jesus' name. Do you got a need? Don't sit there and look at me. If you got a need, get up here.